Welcome to For the Love of Pod, a podcast about faith, community, and learning from one another about how we find meaning. I'm your host, Erin Phelps, a Master's of Divinity student at Louisville Seminary. This podcast started as a project for my worship community and pedagogy class. It is designed to be a fun, open way to hear about folks in their past and current faith life. Most importantly, each of my guests will teach me about something that's important and meaningful to them. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome. This is the third episode of For the Love of Pod. And as my intro said, I'm our host, Erin. And today I am joined by my friend, Randy. Hello, Randy. Hey, Erin. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Um, So, Randy, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, I am an almost 45-year-old. It'll be in a couple of weeks. It's just a little plug for my birthday there. Um, I I, I do that a lot. Uh, I'm an almost 45-year-old mother of two and a middle school language arts teacher and a professional storyteller. Um, So I was born and raised in like rural Kentucky, and then I spent 12 years living in New York City, uh, pursuing a theater dream. Um, And like many people who pursue a theater dream, I decided not to pursue a theater dream. Uh, Met a New Jersey guy, drug him back to Louisville, uh, had a couple kids. And uh, yeah, so I I teach middle school and I love to use the storytelling as part of that. and uh, married to a really great guy. We do a a storytelling show together. Um, And then, you know, I guess as it pertains to this podcast, the other big part of who I am is that I was born and raised Southern Baptist, but now I am a practicing Jew. (laughs) So Yes, which is why I was so excited to have you. Um, Yes, I joked before we officially started recording that um, I, I just really wanted to be intentional about not just having a bunch of people who like tell me about your faith and it was all very similar to my own sure. so thank, <laughs> thank you so much because I'm really excited about what you can share with yeah. us um and uh yeah also I um I am so happy that I get to just talk to you in person at all because right. a little note for the listener is that Randy and I almost exclusively saw each other at mutual friends parties <laughs> um who knew each other from things like the storytelling and um, you know, met at a Game of Thrones party, uh, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Memories. I know Good when time. we got to party. So we are having a two-person podcast Yay. party right now and keeping that I alive. Like um, awesome. Well, I'm going to move on before we go any deeper with uh, the segment that everyone knows and loves, which is Podcast Consent Corner. <laughs> so um, once again, because this is starting out of a school project, I really want to be very mindful of uh, making it clear what um, what we're involved in. So, um, Randy, if you are here of your own free will, you've been informed ahead of time about the content of this project, mm-hmm. and you know you are able to uh, refuse to discuss something at any time, will you please say, I consent? I consent. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, on my second episode, my friend took a big like just a pause and before she said the word wholeheartedly consent and I was like oh where are you going Christine but thank you Randy thank you for also consenting um I found out my professor so far likes this little segment too as a way to get creative about academic um 
ethics. Well, so, consent um, is sexy. And yes. and I feel like COVID is teaching us about consent because it'll be like, would you mind putting your mask on? And would you please stand back? You know, it's like you're teaching your, you know, how to, how to give consent and how to get consent from other people. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. So we're just modeling one more way. Um, it's so good. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to do a couple rounds of think fast. Okay. So um, for new listeners and also as a reminder for you, Randy, this is just a fun way that I start out uh, as a student in my classes that I'm doing this uh, project for, where they just like to get our brains working with kind of an either or question. A lot of the times we try to get around the boundaries of the question, but we'll try to stick to the either or (laughs) um, and just sort of like, give me your gut response. So it's a way for us to get chatting and for us to kind of get a sense of personality. So um, the first question I have is to think fast about if you could have either of these superhero powers, which would you prefer flying or invisibility? Flying hundred percent. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> you were like ready oh, for yes. that too. I, um, I, it was no, you thought fast. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, do you have any more to say about why flying? Just, is this something you've thought for a while? Yes, I, it's always been the superpower. I mean, I, and I feel like it's not even that practical, but I just want to, like, I love heights. I love being up high. I love flying. I miss being on airplanes. Um, it's been a little while. So I just, it's more about the freedom. I don't really know if I could save anybody. <laughs> That's like, I don't know what that says about me, but um it just but, seems so but cool. maybe you could get there in a quicker more interesting there you way go. You sure <laughs> it's not just that I selfishly want to fly above the world uh no yeah that's I just would love to be able to fly that sounds good I think between those two I also would choose flying yeah. it's just more useful and fun um my actual if I'm given an open-ended superhero question like this I usually say super strength yeah. oh. um but yeah, flying is also nice because it doesn't seem to have the drawbacks. Like invisibility, it seems like you are asking to hear things you aren't supposed to and be hearing. See you know, you don't want to see. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would just feel icky. Like, um, yeah. yeah, consent, right? Yes. It comes back to consent. Look, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so the second thing fast is um, if uh, you had to live in one of these places that is not a normal house situation, would you rather live in a cave or a tree house? Oh, this one's harder. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say cave and I think I'm going to, I can think of a million reasons why I should say tree house, but it's again, it's like this visceral thing. I love caves. Um, mm. so, and I used to actually, for my summer job in college, I was a cave guide down in, uh, in, in horse cave, uh, Kentucky. Um, so I loved, I just love how quiet it is. I love, there's a funky smell in a cave that I love. Um, mm-hmm. and just love the temperature stability of, of a cave. Um, that's true. So I, but I mean, you're going to miss this. Like, there's so many reasons I feel like I shouldn't choose that answer. And yet that's the one I want to go with. <laughs> You're starting to convince me. I originally thought treehouse, but also the more I think about it, it feels very vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> well, caves, caves are like, well, not safe exactly, but it's like, I don't know. You feel sealed a little bit. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends how well the treehouse is built too. If I get a luxury treehouse, maybe we'll, <laughs> well yeah, like, 
if it's the one I had as a child. Maybe uh, yeah, luxury tree houses, they're definitely going to go ahead of the of the cape, I think a little bit. But yeah. Uh, but like I said, I love to be a pie. So tree houses are lovely too. So it's a nice fallback from a cave. Awesome. Well, thank you for thinking fast with me. <laughs> um, this is, I. it's turning into one of my favorite parts. It's not the meat and potatoes of the episode, but it's always fun to hear what people yeah. think. I so. love that. That was fun. Yeah, uh, it's fun to start our classes that way, too, because it'll be, um, you know, people will sometimes outside of binary choices pick that, like, no, I want this instead. Like, someone always will be, like, super strength. They'll just ignore the question. You know, as a middle so, school teacher, fun. that sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> it's like, the, yes. there's a resistance to the options, and you need a, a, a different route, a more difficult route. So, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, now we're going to really dive into what I just referred to as the meat and potatoes, which is a little bit of faith chat. Um, So, Randy, you mentioned it a little bit in your bio and especially what makes you um, an awesome perspective to bring to the podcast. Um, But can you give a little snapshot for the listeners and for me about your faith life? Um, Sure. So I'll, I'll just a little tiny bit of history and then I'll kind of mostly talk about the present. But um. I converted to Judaism back in 2004, and I'm very adamant uh, when I tell people that I was not engaged, um, that it was not for marriage, that it was not, you know, and and I'm not judging anyone who makes that choice for marriage. I think religion is very personal, and whatever people do to bring them closer to um, a higher power and to give them peace, I completely support that. So I I don't ever want to seem like I'm judging that. But it's certainly not something I would have felt comfortable doing is um, choosing a faith because of marriage. Um, But I Mm -hmm. I converted in 2004. um, And it's it's funny because it seems like this like jarring decision. Like, oh, my gosh, you were raised Southern Baptist and then you're converting to Judaism. How can that be? But it was a much uh, longer journey to it. Um, And it started with me just loving God very much and um, feeling very connected to God and then feeling really at like at war with myself and with my feelings toward God when I was in my church like it just didn't it didn't mm-hmm. fit and um, and you know it, it was just a culture where there was some judgment and my beliefs and my resistance to a lot of the doctrine and the norm put me in a position of constantly being a little bit on the outs with everybody. And I wanted to, Mm. I wanted to be in, like, I really wanted to believe like everybody around me. I wanted to stop questioning um, doctrine. I wanted to be able to read the Bible and just believe the words that were there the way that my family did. But, um, you know, the, I didn't really understand that there might be something else out from out there for me until fifth grade when I had this, and I grew up in a town of 1000 people. Um, and you were either Southern Baptist or Methodist <laughs> down in, up, in up to Kentucky, <laughs> like there was nothing else. And yeah, and it was, I mean, it was a lovely town, a great place to grow up in. And I had this teacher who was like revolutionary, like, you know, the kind of teacher where you're on the floor, you know you're not in a desk. There's like a loud buzz in the room. You're doing projects. You're going on field trips all the time. 
And so we always had this Christmas pageant at our at our school and it was actually held in the church. Like that's, you know, it was a public school, but we held our Christmas pageant in the church and everything was Christmas and it was lovely. But she was like, we're going to learn about other winter holidays that year. And she taught us about Hanukkah. And we were all like, excuse me, <laughs> there's another holiday. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it was probably one 15 minute lesson. I don't think it was like, we learned so many other things that year, but we spun a dreidel and we looked at a menorah and we did learn that there were eight nights. And, you know, everybody was like, oh my God, eight, night, eight nights of gifts. This isn't fair. We should be Jewish. I don't want to be, you know, like there was a little bit of that, which is to be accepted. Right. But for me, I was just kind of like, wait, wait, hold up. There's something else. <laughs> like, can you back up? Because I didn't know that other religions existed. Fifth grade. Gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so, and then it kind of felt like a waterfall sort of from there, because it wasn't long after that, that I read, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Um, and there's a part of the book that a lot of people kind of like when I talk about it, they're like, I don't remember that. But there's a part where she goes and speaks to a rabbi because she's trying to figure herself out too. And so that part of the book stood out to me. And then I did this big whole report on Judy Bloom and learned that she was Jewish. And I was like, oh my gosh, wait, what is this whole Jewish thing that keeps popping up in my life? Um, and so then, you know, I kind of, it went to the back burner as things do. And I continued to struggle with my faith as a lot of people do. And I thought for a couple of years in college that I was atheist. I was like, I guess I just don't believe mm -hmm. in God, but that I, I knew I did. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't seem right either, you know? And then um, mm -hmm. at center college, you have to take a religion course um, as part of your requisite. And it literally was just like, okay, what religion course fits into my schedule? I got to knock this um, requirement out. And then I was like, oh, boom, that one. And that one was History of the Bible Part 1, which was taught by a Jewish professor who was the actual first Jewish person I ever met. And I mean, I think the thing about that class is it was a re critical reading of the Hebrew Bible, which is what we referred to it as, the mm. Torah. And... Um, all of the questions that I'd always asked in church, all of the like picking something apart and wondering what their motivation was. And suddenly like I was the star student. That's what you were supposed to do in class. And I was like, I love, it. yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. I can engage with a text like this and then learning about the councils that, you know, chose the books that would make it and the books that were pulled out. And then I learned about the Apocrypha and I was like, dude, I got to read me some Apocrypha. <laughs> I read there's more Bible. There's even more Bible. No, with more Bible. Um, and I just got so into this and the way, and she didn't really talk about her faith at all, but just the way that she explained, like talked about God as if he were uh, a protagonist and how he changes throughout the Hebrew Bible and goes from being super wrathful um, and a little bit like flighty <laughs> for lack of a better word, like, oh, you made me mad. I'm flooding everything to more of a stable God toward the end of the Torah. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, I did not think I was going to convert, but I was just like, this makes me more excited about the Bible than I have been in a long time. And then the final push was that I moved to New York City and suddenly I saw actual synagogues and I worked in a company that was like almost, I'd say about half of them were Jewish guys who were all incredibly attractive. Um, and I just like, the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. And from there, um, 
I refused to go to a synagogue by myself. I was like, my Southern Baptist church was so judgmental. Like if you stood at the wrong moment, like everybody was going to stare at you. So I was like, I sure as heck am not doing that by myself in a synagogue. And nobody would take me because none of these guys were religious. And mm. <laughs> like, they just were like, no, I'm not taking some Southern Baptist girl to, what are you talking about? Like, why are you so weird? <laughs> why are you always asking me? Oh, <laughs> let me the- and you're like, please have ownership over me, attractive Jewish <laughs> right? guys. Like, seriously. I'm like, can you, like, I see you eating a bagel with me. Like, can we now take that, like, you know, cultural Judaism and then put it in there? Just like, no, I don't go to synagogue except for they all went on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And those were the only two days they ever went. And they definitely weren't taking me on the, the holiest days of the year. That's for sure. But um, so. Yeah, that's a lot. And so when I met Dave, who was also not religious, I just didn't bring it up. I was like, I don't want him to think I'm weird. And so like his family had Passover and I didn't go. And he went to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and I didn't go. And about a year into the relationship, like it was kind of at a point where it was like, we either stop or we move forward because it like we weren't crossing that threshold into something more serious. And I finally told him, I'm like, I'm really interested in being a Jew. And he was like, what? He's like, you're <laughs> a total feminist. I was like, yeah, it, it, they don't have to go against each other. Uh, you see, because I wouldn't be doing it for you. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Um, and so we kind of pursued it on the DL and went to classes together. We found this amazing synagogue near his house. House, what am I talking about? It's New York City apartment, his tiny little apartment. Um, and it was a, a branch of uh, Judaism called conservative Judaism, which at first I was like, ooh, but actually conservative Judaism is very liberal in many ways. Um, yes. So I always have to tell people, listen, it's not what you probably think. Um, oh, it's a lot like how I tell people I'm hanging out with Baptists and they're very confused yes. for a while. And I'm like, well, there's more. Well, going there's on more there. than one type of Baptist. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Highland Baptist Church people definitely um, uh, can can buck that stereotype really well. But um, um, <laughs> yeah, so it was an amazing rabbi. He was kind of like a young dude and really like, uh, like kind of a rebel in a lot of ways. Um, he played electric guitar on a Friday night, which is a big no-no. Um, and we loved that. We thought that was hilarious. I mean, you're not supposed to do anything electronic, really. The lights are on a timer, you know, so you're not supposed to, but he was like, ah, whatever. And, yeah. you know, when I asked him if I, I said I was interested in converting and I thought he was going to say no three times because that's the lore. And uh, he, did, he didn't. He oh, was like, yeah. cool. <laughs> He's like, we have classes Wednesday night. Come on down. I was like, all right. And it was, it was free. It wasn't like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just really easy. And it was the same thing as the college course. I fit right in. I was top of the class right away because I'm super nerdy. Um, and I just, the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And, you know, I, I got converted less than a year after that. I, you know, it's where you go before a camp council and they ask you questions and, and if your answers sound good to them, they approve you. And, um, so anyway, I, I, I converted. And one of the best moments was when we had dinner with Dave's mom and told her, and Dave's mom was also, I don't think she even knew really the term feminist, but she really was one, like super, like, you know, just very women's rightsy and all this stuff. And so we were like, so Harriet, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to let you know, I, I'm, I'm Jewish now. I converted to Judaism. And she goes, 
why? <laughs> I want to. And she's like, really? <laughs> so funny. I bet you had to be like, okay, it started <laughs> with, you know, being a kid and Judy Blue. Like, I'm, I mean, there's so much there, but like, that's, it's so funny that it's such a lifelong thing for you. <laughs> well, and that it could be. Most future mothers-in-law, like we weren't engaged yet, but it was pretty obvious we were heading there. We'd been together already. Gosh, like, I mean, four or three years at that point. Most Jewish future mothers-in-law would be like, "Yeah, sweet, awesome." I I was gonna pressure you, but she was like, "Oh, okay." And then we we did eventually get engaged, (laughs) but you know, I was very glad to be able to say that I was I had already completed my conversion before I was engaged so that it was definitely not like a I have to do this to get married because Dave didn't care she didn't care oh so anyway that was a a really long roundabout way of saying that we we were conservative Jews and um we belong to the synagogue at at Jeshurun here in Louisville which everybody refers to as AJ um and yeah I mean we we are how to put it we could definitely be more observant. This is very common, right? Like a lot of Jews are like, we should, we should go to services more often. Um, so we're kind of in that boat. We always attend on the high holy days. We always uh, have a really beautiful Passover Seder. We celebrate, you know, the other holidays. We, uh, you know, go to, go to synagogue for the high holy days. We, all of that. And we were really, really great about going to services very uh, stringently for a long time. But life gets in the way, especially with COVID. But right now, my mm-hmm. uh, 12-year-old daughter is preparing for her bat mitzvah in April, um, which is, you know, which is probably going to be virtual uh, unless things radically change. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, um, as a family, we light the candles on Friday nights. And we say, uh, my daughter and I, every night, say a blessing that I'm going to teach you a little later. Um and for me personally, it is a huge part of my life. Even if we're not in services every Saturday, it is definitely how I connect to the higher power and this personality I've always had that's very like critical, questioning, um, argumentative in many ways. Like the way that I view God now after converting, I always imagine God like kind of looking at me with a bemused smile on, on his face and sparring with me. And occasionally I think sometimes I make some really good points and he's like, I'm going to have to think about that. Let me sit on that. You know? And I never, I I always thought of him that way, but I was like, no, 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 you shouldn't think of him that way. That's bad. That's not what you're taught in church. And now it's like so nice that I can just connect with him the way I always wanted to. And it's, it's, it's not going against any other doctrine that I'm, um, that I'm exposed to, I guess. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I mean, really listening to your whole story about it makes so much sense uh, that someone, like you said, like you, who is such a, has always been a critical thinker and um, engaged in that kind of study to, to find a faith that reflects that aspect of being connected Mm -hmm. to God back to you is just incredibly beautiful to hear. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) I can tell. And that's so great. 
I also loved hearing about your conversion experience because as you said, I wasn't, I like knew that Lori you mentioned, but I wasn't thinking about it when we started this conversation about the three rejections. And then it brought up that I'm pretty sure one of the only uh, conversion stories that sticks in my mind um, yes. is Charlotte from Sex and the City, which is <laughs> like, I'm sure oh my carries gosh. some uh, baggage. And that, but that's like a huge part of that fictional episode. And so when you said that, all of a sudden, like it all came, back, <laughs> it all came back to me, uh, which is really, I'm really happy to hear an actual person's story and how nice and beautiful. Well, and I have to was. say, like I loved that storyline. I was a huge fan, and I actually that episode aired, I think, right around the time that I was trying to figure out if I was going to tell Dave. I think, I mean, I'm gonna have to look back, but I think I was like trying to, I was going back and forth. And I remember crying my eyes out because mm-hmm. I was like, that looks so beautiful and I want to do it. And when I actually did my mikvah where you, you do actually, you know, submerge in water the way she does, that's real. Um, and it's so mm-hmm. beautiful on that episode. <laughs> and the real mikvah, it's it's a utilitarian mystic place. I mean, Orthodox women go to right. the mikvah once a month. Um, you know, the, the type of Jew that I am, I don't do that. That's not part of my my ritual but mm-hmm. you know if I were orthodox woman I'd be going there once a month and so it's just like a white room with some fluorescent light <laughs> and a and a like a <laughs> undecorated tub but to me it was very beautiful even though I was like I'm not sure yeah at York that's for sure but man this is a lovely moment <laughs> just curious where yeah. where's Charlotte's mikvah I think I <laughs> made the wrong mikvah um <laughs> <laughs> not to pry but I would really feel God there I need a more beautiful setting uh, for God and yeah I've got, I've got to figure out what that mikvah was because I was like that's amazing <laughs> no <laughs> oh man I bet there's some sex in the yes. city tour of New York I'm sure there in, is so. yeah <laughs> um, so um yeah not to make light but as you as you were describing this incredibly beautiful personal experience I went oh so that's very nice to know also like you know there is that very normal aspect to it too Mm -hmm. that's really great well um I have a couple sensory questions too I can be um engage different intelligences and things like that I really like to ask some sensory questions yeah so the first one is if there is sound (laughs) or a piece of music that makes you feel connected to your idea of faith well, okay, so there's a song that is so perfect, um, and actually it's, it's perfect for many reasons. One is it's, a, it's an important song. Well, how to put this? It's not a Hanukkah song, but it's a song that is um, really played a lot around Hanukkah, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense, and it's called Matsur, and you would know it as Rock of Ages. Mm-hmm. And so I, this song makes my heart so happy when I hear it, because of course I knew this song growing up, Rock of Ages was an important song to my Southern Baptist family. Um, And then I'm hearing it in Hebrew. And I just like, to me that feels so perfect because like I said, there were moments of true connection and beauty in my faith growing up. It wasn't like the whole thing was awful and like I throw it all away. There, There was a lot of beautiful connection there so for me to have a song that is a Jewish song, a Hebrew song, but it's also a song I knew as a young child, to me, that really makes me, it kind of brings it all together. Um, 
Yeah, that's lovely. It is um, so beautiful. It's a beautiful song. Yes, it is. It's a well, yeah, like you said, you would know it as Rock of Ages. Like, oh yeah, I yeah. It's, it's very poetic and comforting and that's mm-hmm. great. Um, and how nice to have something like that. Well, it's nice in general. There's so much of your faith now that can be reflected from your past and um and it's not like you switched to something very very different but you just right. really engaged with something <laughs> in yeah. a totally different way um that is it's nice to have things like that um mm-hmm. i'm sure um well the other question too that's sensory is what um is there like a smell or a taste that also reminds you of your faith tradition uh yeah so i mean this is so cliche so please forgive me but a bagel with lox and cream cheese and red onion. Um, I know that's about as a Jewish food stereotype as you could come up with, but uh, it was one of those things that, first of all, you know, you move to New York and you're going to eat it. Like it's, it's just like, you're like, okay, I got to try this thing. And first time I tried it, I was like, that's disgusting. I don't ever want that again. And then it, then I started craving it like you do with foods like that. But um, I, it was the first first thing I had after my conversion, you, mm. have, to, you have to fast. Um, for many Jewish practices, you fast beforehand, such as your wedding, um, which is why we got married in the morning. I'm terrible. Be like, so happy we did that. And now it's time for brunch. Yes, exactly. Um, and so my conversion was also in the morning, I, you know, and we do fast once a year, I actually do fast for 25 hours once a year. So I, I, I I'm not always a whip about it. But my conversion was also in the morning, but I got out probably about 11 or so, and I was hungry, and Zabar's was across the street, and so I got a bagel with lox cream cheese and onion, which I loved. But now every time I eat it, of course, I associate it with that really special day. Um, so it's, I know it's cliche, but it, it's like, it's a, a food I did not grow up with um, in the least, that is very, uh, actually, as you described it, I went, oh, gosh, that does sound good. Mm, that's um, so good. Yeah. And it's, uh, I've been meaning to try, actually. I think they serve variations on that also at um, Logan Street Market. Uh, so yes. I've been wanting to try theirs. So the guy, I forgot the name of the, the place at Logan Street Market, but that place, um, which has, a, by the way, amazing. It's so good. But um, his brother, I want to say, is my daughter's Hebrew school teacher. So, oh, um, great. yeah, it's a or maybe no, I'm wrong about that. No, I'm getting him confused with another guy. But I know this guy through the Jewish community because it's a very small community <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't matter what synagogue you go to. We all know each other. So. <laughs> That's nice. It's, so then nice. it's just like, oh, I feel connected to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's lovely. But yeah, when you described that, I was like, I know I've seen pictures of that on Instagram. It does look so good. It's delicious. And um, yeah, theirs is like top notch too. So definitely. Yeah, that's what it it always looks Mm -hmm. like. It's not the sad uh, salmon that I would get for myself (laughs) from like a a package. Yeah, like it's the good stuff. Um, Well, now is the time. And I know you referenced a bit too for podcast pedagogy where I ask folks to teach me a little something about their faith and their tradition. So you said you have a prayer yes, for me? Yes, I do. So it's a very simple um, but very important prayer called the Shema. 
Um, and so it's, it's a very short prayer, but it's considered probably the most important one. And depending on how observant you are as a Jew, um, some people say it at the exact same times or around the exact same times twice a day. Some people um, say it as part of, you know, just the, um, the synagogue service. Um, so this is the prayer that I always say with my daughter um, right before, you know, she goes to sleep when I'm tucking her in and I'm trying to get my son there. He's going through a real rebellious phase right now. So anyway, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get him there, but it's called the Shema and it means, uh, well, okay. So I will chant it for you. Now, listen, <laughs> I'm no singer at, at okay. all. I'm not, I don't pretend to be. And I did not grow up chanting Hebrew. So you're hearing not the ideal version of this, but I will. That's your version, which is great. Sure. <laughs> it's my version. Um, it's very short. And then I'll tell you what it means um, after I chant it. Okay. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Okay. So, and you're supposed to cover your eyes when you say it. Um, so that you can really put all your concentration into this most important prayer, which means here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And it's so mm. important to Judaism because of the monotheism of Judaism. That's really what makes Judaism, Judaism stand out, especially if you think about its origins. Um, and so I just... I've always loved that prayer because A, it was really easy to memorize. So when I was first learning all of this stuff, I was like, cool, I got one. <laughs> one I got one in my back pocket. <laughs> I got one. I can pretend like I know what I'm doing. Um, but I love this idea of you're supposed to start your day with it. You're supposed to end your day with it. Reminding yourself, you know, throughout the day that, you know, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. Uh, I love the covering of your eyes. I, I love any sort of like, um, ritual um, and symbolism. So there's just like everything about that uh, blessing just makes me, or not blessed, that prayer just makes me so happy. It makes me feel so connected. So, well, I am so glad you shared that. And that is really, um, I love that you didn't. Okay, so my brain is activating a lot of ways that this was the perfect thing. You're not in class with me, but it it really relates also to this concept of multiple intelligences mm -hmm. in worship um, and teaching. And so um, the fact that we are doing a podcast, so, you know, you couldn't show me a PowerPoint that I could share with people, right, if you really wanted to, but <laughs> that you brought something that engages, of course, with the verbal of the actual text of the prayer the music um, and the chant, which sounded great to okay, me. Right. Like, I, I know I don't know any different, but I, you were like really gearing up and I know it's a vulnerable thing, but it sounded lovely. <laughs> um, and then uh, the fact that you also talked about the physical really brings in um, some aspects of like the visual and bodily kinesthetic yeah. aspects we've talked about too. And so um, my professors, the long and short, will be very pleased with oh, you. Okay, <laughs> um, I didn't ask you to have to bring any of that, but what you're sharing is so wonderful because um, it gets to the heart of so much that we've been talking about in my class. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you've been talking, so many of your experiences are um, really connective with some places that I know lots of my fellow seminarians have been and um, your discussion of also reading 
the Hebrew Bible at, um, that was, you said the preferred terminology of your professor at the time, right? Yeah. I, I okay. think she would say Torah too. Um, I think she toggled mm-hmm. between the two, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, we had a whole thing about like, here are all the ways we can refer to these texts at the very <laughs> beginning of our class. Um, but we are, I'm in a class now of Torah and former prophets. And so when you're talking about the character of God, I'm just thinking like, ah, yeah, now that tracks. Oh, <laughs> so, awesome. uh, yeah, so it's really fun to hear all of these things. And um, something that my friend Christine, who was on the last episode, talked about in her atheism, how there are lots of things that still make us more similar mm-hmm. than different yeah. just because of traditions. And so um, I've just really loved hearing from you about, of course, the prayer you just shared, but also... Um, your whole experience is so valuable because I'm sure that there are people in other faith settings who could hear this or reflect on it and say, oh yeah, I've been there or, oh, that is uh, my connection and why I wanted to look for something else Mm -hmm. and how I find meaning. So I'm deeply grateful that you decided to join us today. Um, Do you have anything else you want to share about your prayer? Um, You did a great job, but I didn't want to cut off if there was anything else you wanted to tack on. No, I I mean, I think that's it. And I just love talking about religion. Like this is how I got to know your group of people. I mean, I know Stephen and I do storytelling, but it was also just, this was a group of people that could sit and chat about this stuff with me um, because I, uh, a lot of my friends from all different circles are just not that into religion, what, no matter how they were brought up. And so this stuff mm-hmm. is just not that interesting to them. So when I met, you know, that crew of people, um, you know, from whom I met you, like, it's just like, ah, oh, sweet. I can talk. And it's like, we don't agree on everything, but it's just like, we can just talk about it. I like forever. And I just, it's one of my favorite topics. So. Yes. Well, I'm so thankful that you joined in. And that's also why we fell in a little bit with those same people. It's just like, ah, oh, we found them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, thoughtful people. Um, well, I've so appreciated this. And we're going to just wrap up as usual with kind of the benediction. I often joke about it just being like, you know, hope you liked this. Have a good week. Uh, but <laughs> it's sort of the way it's going. But for me, I want to... Um, treat it as something that we wish for our guests and uh, or sorry that the guests and I wish for our listeners Um, not everyone here is our guest it's just you Randy (laughs) Um, so I want uh, today I'll kick us off so you have some time if you want to kick around anything on your heart about this but I hope listeners out there during this season where lots of people are busy and also figuring out where they want to give and Also, how things are looking different. Um, I hope that listeners out there find some sort of cause or topic that they are passionate about and really get a chance to sit with how they want to engage with that during this busy time, whether it is in spiritual practice or um, like praying for something or whether it's... um, something activist where you're really doing some grassroots work or if you are able to do some sort of monetary giving and you want to be thoughtful I just really hope people can find causes and interests that they're connected with at this time of year and feel empowered to act however that goes so 
Um, Randy, do you have anything that you would like to wish for listeners well, today? I'm, I'm definitely going to add, I, I'm going to add on to what you were saying, because a, a big part of why I became a Jew was this concept of tikkun olam, which means repairing of the world. Um, and so as Jews, we feel it is our duty if we see something wrong in the world to try to right that wrong or to bring justice to it. And so that goes exactly with what you were saying, that there are so many ways that we can all repair the world. Um, and, you know, money is great if you and like Dave and I, my husband and I are both teachers and we feel very fortunate to have a steady income right now. So we've been trying very hard to give to causes that we think uh, could use them. Um, and there's a lot. <laughs> but also, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't have money, time, uh, kindness, um, you know, just checking in with people. There's so many ways you can repair the world. And right now there are so many ways the world needs repairing. Uh, so yeah, I just, I love that concept and it goes directly with what you were just saying. So I, I concur. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm really glad we could bring in the faith for one last big moment like that too. (laughs) Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much again for being with us and for all of our listeners. I'm going to have a big old week of podcasting. So enjoy. I sort of compared this podcast to most people do it uh, one week at a time and establish time. Instead, I'm sort of like some cool uh, rock star who exists entirely from secret shows. So watch wherever you find this because it, they'll just be popping up at random as I finish these episodes heading toward my final project date. But um yeah many thanks again to randy and i hope all of our listeners have a great rest of their day thank Thank you. you thank you for listening to for the love of pod i appreciate everyone who tunes in as i teach myself how to podcast and i am so grateful for the guests who teach me Have a nice day.